Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, unwanted pets and relatives, greetings and hello. It is I, your favorite obscure social studies teacher, with just enough expertise to make things interesting, Mr. Palumbo, and this is the one and only Professor Liberty Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Summer's in full swing, so I look forward to getting some more content out. I really appreciate all of you who listen and wait uh, anxiously with bated breath waiting for me to drop something new. Actually, if you're doing that, I really, that's pretty awesome. I don't think many people are doing that. But if you, if, if I just described you, I want to say thank you. You're awesome. All right, summertime in Vegas. It's about 105 today, tomorrow's 106, and by the time we get to Saturday, we'll be somewhere in the avenue of being on top of the sun. Just a reminder, if you want to email the show, the email is professorliberty1776 at gmail.com. That's professorliberty1776 at gmail.com. Send me all of your questions about economics, world history, U.S. history, and uh, what else? What else do I teach? Oh, yeah, and uh, government. And I think I said economics already. And if you want to throw in a geography question... Go right ahead. I keep goading you guys to do that. One day someone's going to throw in a geography question and I'm going to have to do some research. Fired up. All right. Today we're going to talk about, we're going to continue our What Is series. And today is What Is a Recession? There's a lot of talk out there in the news whether a recession is imminent Little side note, if the media is asking whether something is going to happen, chances are it will or it already is happening, but I digress. Anyway, most of us have some idea of what a recession is, and we know it's bad or it sounds bad, but since we went to public school where we're busy learning about trapezoids and quadratic equations, most of us are ignorant to basic economic principles. So today we're going to ask the question, what is a recession? And in the attempt to answer said question, we'll discuss the signs and reasons for a recession and how recessions relate to what is called the business cycle. And I think the business cycle is where we will start, but first let us give a definition. Investopia defines a recession as, quote, a period of declining economic performance across an entire economy that lasts several months. The Oxford Dictionary defines a recession as, quote, a period of temporary economic decline during which trade and industrial activity are reduced. It is defined by a fall in GDP for two consecutive quarters. The Encyclopedia Britannica says that a recession is a downward trend in the business cycle characterized by a decline in production. So right off the bat, we see in these three definitions of recession, a, a common word, a similar word is used, and that is decline. A recession is a decline in trade, production, buying things, selling things, and even uh, an or a decrease rather in income. In other words, a recession is the opposite of an economic expansion or economic boom. And it's oftentimes sparked by the access, excesses of those expansions or booms. And we'll get to that a little later. 
So the best way to understand recession is to look at it in regards to what is known as the business cycle. Now, I've never taught the business cycle without a whiteboard. And since I'm talking to you and you just have to listen, this is going to be very interesting. (laughs) I hope you can paint a picture in your mind's eye as I talk. So here we go. Think of the business cycle as a series of mountains. Actually, if you want to take out a piece of paper, if you've got nothing to do and you want to try to draw this, it'd probably be better. Or as we all do in today's society, just Google business cycle. But you remember how when we were kids in art class and you wanted to draw mountains on the horizon, you draw a straight line in the middle of the page, and then you just go up and down, up and down, up and down, and you'd make these series of mountain peaks, right? That's kind of what the business cycle looks like. It's a row of at least three mountain peaks, kind of like those old-fashioned roller coasters. They go up and they go down and they go up and they go down, except the business cycle, it's not a it's not a horizontal line. It's kind of a a progressively linear going up line. And that's because growth has pretty much always occurred since the Industrial Revolution. So so even though we have booms and busts, growth always seems to be um, a constant. Okay, so that so thinking of our mountains, we've got three mountain peaks. Well that first mountain climbing to the peak, that that line, that side of the mountain going up to the top, climbing the mountain, that's known as an expansion, an economic expansion or an economic boom. The top of the mountain is known as the peak. And then going down into the valley, that other side of the mountain, that is where we find the recession part of the business cycle. The reason it's called a business cycle is because the process repeats itself. After recession, you have the trough where things bottom out, and then you have expansion and then peak and then recession and then trough all over again. Now, in a free market economy, without any interference from outside forces such as government, let's say, the business cycle plays out and equilibrium always finds itself. However, government policies always artificially make expansions and recessions worse, uh, you know, or, or more, uh, they, they, they're more, what's the word? Extreme, right? So, so and, a, and you guys might be thinking, well, an expansion's good, Mr. Palumbo. Why would a, you know, making it more extreme, why would that be a bad thing? Well, if the expansion is artificially created, then there's going to have to be an, uh, that much. It's like a wave, right? So maybe let's get rid of the mountain analogy and look at the wave. If you guys have ever taken physics or studied water, the top of the wave is just as high as the bottom of the wave. So if you have an extreme economic expansion, and it's artificially so, you're going to have an extreme recession to, to balance it out and to find the equilibrium. So very often, government policies will create these extreme booms and busts because these policies influence people, and people are the ones who run, own, and work for businesses and corporations. Well, how might governments contribute to the recession, you might ask? Well, for one, it can restrict the supply of something. Hmm, let's say, like oil. If the supply of something is low, prices are going to go up, which causes inflation. We'll get to that. Uh, We'll come back to that. Or we'll circle back to that, as the press secretary likes to say. 
mixed that grand idea of restricting supply with printing billions and billions of dollars and then flush that money into the economy all at once, again, contributing to inflation. Now, a smart student might say, uh, Mr. Palumbo, uh, Mr. Palumbo, uh, please, Mr. Palumbo, can I say something? Uh, I got my hand up. All right, Mr. Palumbo, uh, a little inflation won't uh, cause a recession. Uh, we've had constant inflation for decades, Mr. Palumbo, and expansions have occurred right along with that inflation, Mr. Palumbo. I Googled it so I know it's true. Well, that is true. A little inflation or just inflation by itself won't cause a recession. Recessions must be economic, you know, economy-wide. Has to go, it has to touch every part of the economy. That, meaning, that means low productivity, less hiring, higher prices, low wages. That has to occur across the country. So even if inflation is happening all across the country, and even if inflation is one of the signs of a recession, that doesn't necessarily mean we're in a recession or we're going to go into one. Okay, so back to how the government likes to screw things up and cause recessions. Okay, so we've, re we've restricted the oil, right, because there are, there are environmental ideologues in the government offices that want us off fossil fuels, and they don't care how many lives they wreck to force us into the so-called green energy uh, devices. Well, this causes prices to skyrocket. Gas prices are skyrocketing. Well, this forces people to spend more money on gas, which means they're going to spend less money on other things. Opportunity costs. Look it up. So spending is going to drop in other areas. Okay. Now let's bring in the Federal Reserve, which is also a quasi-government agency. And it's raising interest rates to combat the inflation caused by the other hand of government pumping dollars into the economy. Well, when you raise interest rates, people are going to stop buying houses or taking out loans or taking out business loans or buying new cars because lending is becoming more expensive. So that's going to start going down. Well, a lot of economists equate uh, taking out loans with spending. A part of spending is taking out loans. Even though it's not your money, you're still spending money even if it's not your. All this is related to what I talked about in episode 61, what is the multiplier effect? Go back and listen to that, uh, and I think you'll have a better idea of how one economic policy is going to have a ripple effect. It's like dropping a pebble in a pond. When the government makes policies, people are going to react. And it causes a multiplying effect on society. The best example and most recent of how governments helped create a recession was the recession of 2008, which was characterized by the housing crash or what became known as the mortgage crisis. If you remember, the government passed a law all the way back in the Carter years that expanded uh, under both Democratic and Republican administrations. And this policy was a way to encourage, wink, wink, force or highly uh, manipulate borrowing institutions 
to give loans to people that would otherwise not qualify, people with low credit, people with not enough income. Well, you know, it's not fair that poor people can't buy homes. We want to help expand the middle class. And so the government made a law or made a policy that encouraged, wink, wink, banks and lending institutions to make risky loans or take out or accept risky loans to people that in in perfect conditions might not be able to pay it back. Well, all this risky behavior is fine when you're in an expansion. You know, when you're in an expansion, you can do you can take risks because life is good, money's coming in, people are getting paid, people got money, they're spending, right? But when recession comes, that's when the bill for all your risky decisions comes due. And that's the thing about a recession. It's a correction. Think about that, okay? A recession is a correction. Like I said, it's about finding equilibrium. So all the excesses that we did, all the risky behavior, all the overspending, and all the ways we stretched ourselves in this expansion has to be dealt with during the recession. It's a reckoning. Well, reckonings aren't very pleasant. So politicians swoop in to try to stop the recession. They paint themselves as the saviors when oftentimes their policies are the ones that cause the pain and suffering in the first place. So how do we know if we're headed for a recession? Well, there are signs we can look out for. We've already mentioned inflation, which is a clear sign uh, that you might be going into a recession. Other signs include unemployment rising. Businesses and bank failures on the rise and production and spending decreasing. Interestingly enough, spending is still pretty high and most economists are kind of amazed and shocked at how the economy bounced back after the 2020 economic shutdown due to the pandemic. Most people thought we would start a recession then. Now, currently the housing market is on fire, but there are signs of it cooling down with interest rates now going up and housing prices being astronomical. So I guess we'll have to wait and see if a recession is close. But one thing I always look for when studying economics is how do people feel about things? Oh, Mr. Palumbo, you're always lecturing us, Mr. Palumbo, about feelings and not being emotional. And here you are wanting to study people's feelings. Mr. Palumbo, I think you're a hypocrite. We have to remember that economics is a study of choices and human behavior. It's more of a study of that than it is nickels and dimes and businesses and banking and money and dollars and cents. Bottom line is people act based on emotion. When times are good, we make more purchases. We take more vacations. We take more risks. We buy bigger houses. We buy more toys. When times are bad... We do the opposite. We save money. We stay home. We're more conservative with our investments. And according to Newsweek, people aren't too optimistic about the future. In her article, Is Another Recession Coming to the U.S., written last month, Beth Braveman writes, quote, Nearly 8 in 10 Americans surveyed say they're worried about current world tensions that will cause a recession. And fewer than half expect the economy to approve this year. That's not good numbers, folks. I mean, that's a lot of people that are feeling bad and not feeling good about the future. But does that mean a recession is guaranteed? No, 
but people's behavior dictate what they do. Or let me let me sorry, their emotions will dictate their behavior. That's why the media has such an influential role in society. A constant strumming of bad news and negative stories influences how people see reality. The Encyclopedia Britannica notes the connection with consumers' perceptions this way. Quote, if for some reason consumer confidence declines, consumers become less certain about their financial prospects and they begin to spend less money. This in turn affects businesses as they begin to experience a decrease in sales. If consumer spending continues to decline and businesses begin to cut back on production, the economy experiences a slowdown and may eventually enter into a recession, unquote. So is recession a bad thing? Well, it's certainly not good for a lot of people. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that feel the pinch. Some businesses go out of, you know, go out of business. But there are benefits to a recession. And the first in my mind is price correction. What do I mean by this? Well, when demand is high, prices are high, and in some cases so high that they're not a real representation of the value of something. Take housing prices right now. In some cases, the asking price of a house people bought just a few years ago is $100,000 more than what they paid for it. A simple suburban home across some areas of this nation are selling for a million dollars. I don't know about you, but when I think of a million dollar home, I'm thinking of a mansion, not a suburban one, you know, one car garage, four bedroom house. So a recession allows for prices to come back down to reality. It stops the feeding frenzy, in other words, and forces people to come back down to earth and look at things through sober eyes. A recession also can stem the tide of inflation and greed and overextension and price gouging. As I said earlier, the bill for all those risky decisions eventually comes due. The party is over, and now it's time to clean up the house. Dana George, writing for Motley Fool, writes the four benefits of recession. Number one, he says, quote, not all businesses are hurt by recession. Some businesses thrive, such as bankruptcy lawyers, grocery stores, and maintenance shops. Number two, recessions increase efficiency. George writes, quote, inefficient companies simply find it too difficult to stay afloat when sales lag. Economic declines remind companies to jettison excess inventory and to cut their overheads. It teaches them to streamline processes in a way that saves on cost, but still meets the needs of their customers. Number three, he says, it balances everyday costs. And this is kind of what I was just talking about with price correction. He says, quote, just as high employment leads to companies raising their prices, High unemployment leads them to cut prices in order to move goods and services. People on fixed income and those who keep most of their money in cash can benefit from new, lower prices. Imagine, and this is still him writing, imagine what would happen if an economy never slowed. Unchecked growth leads to higher wages, which may sound great, until you realize that those higher wages can cause high inflation and push up the costs of everyday goods. 
The more everyday goods cost, the less certain customers can keep pace. Recession brings the entire process to a crawl long enough to reset prices and make them more manageable. And finally, number four, he says, it changes our mindset. Again, quoting from the piece, nearly all of us are impacted by a recession in some way. During times of economic downturns, Americans are reminded of how important it is to live below our means or at the very least within our means. It prods us to save for the next rainy day, keep our emergency funds topped up, and reevaluate how we spend money. So there you have it, folks. What is a recession? It's a downturn in the economy, the whole economy, that lasts at least two consecutive quarters. It is marked with decline, decline in production, decline in spending, decline in wages. But there are some rises as well. There's rise in inflation and unemployment. Are we headed for a recession? Who knows? There are some signs that aren't too encouraging. But let us also remember that a recession, though painful, is a necessary part of the business cycle. Sometimes we overspend, we overexert, we take too many risks, and eventually the bill comes due. Here at Professor Liberty, we seek to educate, inspire, and restore. If you like this podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts and give me a five-star rating. If you'd like to email the show, the email is professorliberty1776 at gmail.com. Please send me your questions, your comments, your concerns to professorliberty1776 at gmail.com. Until next time, go throughout the land and proclaim liberty. Liberty.